season can be really hard for some folks. There's a lot of things that's going on that can make people kind of go introvertly and ask a lot of questions. And uh, last week we talked about Joseph and, uh, and we, we talked about the dream that he had of getting married and how it, his marriage instantly didn't start off anything like he thought it was gonna and how that was pretty hard for him, most likely just as a human, even though that God was so close to him and gave him like this awesome opportunity to be the father of the Lord Jesus, um, how in his humanity he must have struggled with everything that God was really asking him. And, and we talked about in life what happens when our dream in our life doesn't match the reality we live in. Well, today I'm going to talk about some more questions that I feel like people may be asking, not maybe in Christmas season or maybe just in life. And, uh, and I hope that this can bring some clarity to some of us. With that being said, let's pray. Jesus, I love you. Help. Amen. Um, okay. So, um, way where this is going to start off is many of us in our, in our life, if you're, we all are in a relationship with Jesus, whether or not you realize it or not. The Lord created you, he gave you life, and he is committed to the call of God on your life. He is committed to the plan that he has for you, and so whether or not you're following him, he's following you <laughs> everywhere, and you will see this later in life. Most likely is that you look back and realize all the times that God was there when you didn't realize it, how many times he saved you, and he spared you, and he gave you grace when you didn't realize it, um, but I think in our life, what's really hard for us oftentimes in a relationship with God is understanding what he's trying to do and navigating in our life. What I mean by that is that many people, um, the way that they think um, can be very linear in, in, in their thinking, meaning it's hard to process what God is doing oftentimes in our life. Some people need to have all of the answers in their life spelled out for them before they start any journey. How is this going to happen? And so just think about this. Many of you may be this way, but how many of you need to know where you're going when you set out to leave the house. And, and many a times those questions will be got questions that will be got questions that will be got questions. Like, where are we going? When are we leaving? How long does it take to get there? Which way are we driving? Um, how much does it cost? And all of these things we need the answers for before we leave the house, right? And what's really hard is if you're in a relationship with anyone, sometimes the other person has a desire to do something differently than what you originally thought it. It could be a best friend, a roommate, a, a, a boss, anyone, where they kind of tell you all of a sudden, that's not what I want to do. And it can be very shocking to, well, wait a second, that's not what I planned. Does that make sense? And so I think the way a lot of us think is that we see that uh, if we're going from one place to another, we need to go the fastest way possible from point A to point B. Does that make sense? And uh, like if we're in the car already and we've already decided where we're going, why are we going that direction? That's not the right turn. It's not the fastest way to go. Does anyone else ever think this way? 
And it kind of bothers them if they're, in, if they're riding shotgun in this scenario because we don't have control, we don't know what's going on, and this doesn't logically make sense to me. Well, what I found out in my relationship with God, maybe I'm the only one, um, but that oftentimes God is, to get from point A to point B, he's actually going to take us this way first. And then we have to, um, some of us have to go to college. And yet we don't understand why we, he called us to go to college because we never used that degree. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right? But he called us there. And then all of a sudden there's like these, this job that we had. And it, it didn't work out. And I really thought that I was going to enjoy that job. But uh, I don't know why you're leading me in that direction, you know, or that we had to go through this really hard season in our life where there was a lot of pain and uh, it was difficult, but we needed to have that understanding in our life because we were going to meet someone that needed to know that testimony, that, that scenario, man, they really needed it from us. And then what I found out, I don't know if any of you are like me, but that sometimes in this journey with God, I don't actually help him at all. In fact, I, I make it worse. And uh, I, I end up finding that I, I'm taking us backwards, God. Like I, I didn't really do good following you. And sometimes anyone else ever feel like you got to start over? Like uh, we missed a whole season we missed a lot of momentum. We made some mistakes. We, we weren't praying. We weren't listening. And now all of a sudden, we got a reset. And, and you know what's funny is God has a way of taking these mistakes and turning them into something beautiful that's still on a journey leading us to where he wants us to go. Does that make sense? And I have found oftentimes in my mind, in my processing, God, what are you doing? How are you going to make this all work? And I wonder, I'll bet you some of you kind of feel like maybe God is using your life to crochet something, you know? Like at the end of it, like what's this thing going to look like, you know? And uh, he's making a beautiful sweater out of you, you know? And, uh, uh, but uh, we're just going to let that hang there. And so this is uh, God's journey for your life. And uh, what I've learned is that in the process of having any relationship, we don't call all the shots. Oftentimes, we're not going to drive from point A directly to point B, there's going to be stops, turns, and interruptions all along the way. And it's even so more with the Lord. Does this make sense? But in our life, in a relationship with someone that is infinite, it can be frustrating because it seems so much more confusing that it doesn't make sense. But it, it, I kind of look at it like uh, maybe a better way to see this picture would be like a rat in a maze, you know? Like you just gotta make some turns that doesn't look right, but it, you, you gotta go some directions to get to where you end up need to, needing to be. You can't see it on your level, but it's good, the journey that you're in and why it doesn't process that the way that you should. Now I have to say all this, and now I'm gonna scripturally kind of make it make sense to you a little bit, if that, may, if, if that can help. Cool. Probably, the, I, I want you to know that in this journey, faith pleases God. Um, the Bible says that without faith, it's actually impossible to please God. And so somewhere along the line, the very first scripture that I decided to memorize was in the Old Testament, and it was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I think it's one of the most simple verses in all of the Bible, but it is imperative that you hang on to this throughout your entire Christian journey. And I love that God started me here 
Proverbs 3, 5, 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not onto your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all of your ways, and he will direct your path. I'm reading from the NKGV. We'll read it. Scotty, take me back. NIV, that's great. I love it. Uh, go to uh, verse 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not onto your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to God or trust in God, and, and he will make your path straight. So he'll make this work for you. Um, and uh, let me show you in Scripture, uh, it, through the birth of Jesus, just how many people did not have it working the way they logically saw their life going. And yet God made something beautiful out of it. I'm going to show you three stories. The first one, I'm going to take you into Luke chapter 1, and I'm going to start off in verse 26, and I'm just going to read you a passage. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, which was already a miracle, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pleaded to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at the words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, for you have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give to him the, the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Well, that's a big question, Mary. And I understand why you're quite troubled. Because if you think that you don't understand how you got from point A to point B, Mary woke up one day and said, I'm pregnant. This doesn't mathematically work, you know? And, uh, and so uh, how can this be uh, since I am a virgin? And the angel said to him, the Holy Spirit will come on you and power you with the, with the Most High will overshadow you. And, and so the, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Elizabeth will be your relative, your relative is going to have a child in her own age. And she who, who has uh, said that she was unable to conceive in her sixth month, who was unable to conceive is in her sixth month, I'm sorry. For no word from God will ever fail. I love that, I love that, I love that. And many of you, please, you can forget everything else I'm saying today and just hang on to that today. And that's a good word for some of you. For no word from God will ever fail. Mary said this, hey, I'm the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. What I love about this is Mary's basically saying, I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart. I'm going to lean not onto my own understanding. I'm going to acknowledge God in everything that I do, and he'll make my path straight. Basically saying, um, whatever God wants to do in my life, he can do. And so she's on a journey where she is pledged to be married and she kind of sees her life going in a certain direction and out of nowhere, there's an interruption in her life where she's walking with God and he takes her life in a completely different unplanned direction. And when this happens, it can be confusing. But I want you to understand that this is not irregular to Christianity. This is walking with God. He is going to take your life in different directions than you ever planned because that's what relationships do. 
They go different directions. Sometimes we bend. Sometimes we lead. Sometimes we follow. Sometimes we submit. Sometimes we, 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 we lead. And, and I don't know where you're at, but I can tell you that there's going to be times in your life where God says, now it's your turn to lead, and I'll be with you. And there's going to be some times where he says to you, I'm going to lead, and you're going to follow. And so if I look at this story, I, I kind of, I look at this as like my first point, and, and I look at this story, and, and I, I, I would call this God's interrupting plan. It, it's an intervention where God just kind of comes in and, in a moment and says, we're going a completely different route. How many of you have ever experienced this in your life where God kind of said, there's a whole new direction that we're going in? Now, I'm going to take you to three different stories all in the birth of Jesus and show you that God does this often. And in the moment, it's so confusing. Like, can you imagine a little teenage girl trying to figure out, one, I'm pregnant. Two, I'm the only human on the face of the earth that's ever had God's child. What is this going to look like? You know what I mean? This is intense. Am I qualified? Anyone ever feel like, am I qualified? And yet God lives in you in the same way. In the same way. Man, I love it. So this is God's interrupting plan. I'm going to take you to another story, and I'm going to cut some of it. No, I'll just leave it up here. We'll just leave it up. All right, so, uh, so I'm going to take you to another story. It's in Luke chapter 2, and uh, I'm going to start off in verse 4. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea. And to Bethlehem, the town of David. I, I, I want you to know, this is the story where Mary is, uh, they're, they're, they're going to travel from the town that they live to another town um, where you're going to, let me read it to you real quick, I'm sorry. To the town of Bethlehem, the town of David, because he was belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married uh, to him, and they were expecting child. So uh, what we find in verses 1, 2, and 3 of this chapter is Caesar uh, had demanded that all of the Israelites would would write down their names, and they, want, they need to know how many people they had under their dominion in the house of Israel. And so they had to go to the closest city where they can register. Well, Joseph, who was a man of God, and he, he wanted to honor the leaders above him, he said, Mary, we got to go. Now, Mary's in her like, late stages of pregnancy here. And I did some research, and it's 80 miles from, from uh, the town of Bethlehem. No, from Nazareth to Bethlehem. 80 miles. 80 miles, y'all. Now, they're not jumping in a truck today and heading for a ride. Mary is full-on pregnant. And she's going to ride on, yeah, on the most comfortable, luxurious, very easygoing donkey. Now, me and Teresa a few years ago went to Georgia, and we went horseback riding. That's terrible. I mean, there is nothing comfortable about this experience at all. Like how people, I watch movies when they're like riding on a, riding on a horse, and they're shooting or doing this bow and arrow. That's not happening. Like, that's all a lie. No one in the history of mankind has ever done this. This is, this is the very difficult thing that, that's happening here. Mary is not comfortable. Like, and I'm not talking about like, hey, can you turn the butt warmers up a little bit louder on my car? Like, she's uncomfortable. And if you understand this, I don't know if you, if you get this, but they said that, that on, a, on a good day, the average person walking can travel about eight miles. 
So we're talking about like, we're not stopping in at McDonald's and grabbing a double cheeseburger and French fries. They've got to stop and make dinner. That's a process. You know what I mean? Like it's hard. And so this is at least a five, six day journey. I'm going up to Pennsylvania in a couple weeks. And one day journey, I'm done, man. I'm cranky, I'm tired, I don't like it. And Mary is pregnant. So she has every right to be cranky and pregnant and tired. You know what I'm talking about? And so on this journey, it is stressful for everyone involved in this journey. But they decided that they're going to do it. I'm going to take you to verse 6. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there were no guest room available for them in the inn. So you've heard this, right? We've seen like little movies of it and the kids make it really cute and you know, it's really cold out. I don't know if you know this, but actually Jesus wasn't born in December. I don't know if you guys know that. It's kind of weird. That's like, wait, what? No, I promise if you, you just Google it. Google will tell you. Like everywhere, uh, most people believe that he was probably born somewhere around August where it would have been maybe warm, which is probably even worse traveling. I mean, let's face it. Like it's better to put warm clothes on, but it's, when you're hot and you're hot and you're pregnant and you're hot, like that's, that's a rough day. You know what I'm talking about? Like that's just rough. And, uh, and so I, I have sympathy for, for mama's. Anyways, this journey, she's traveling, and um, they get to where they need to be, and it's time for her to give birth. Now, Joseph says to himself, I got this figured out, Mary. Don't worry about it. I know how this is going to happen. I'm just kidding. This is, isn't this all men? We didn't have a, a plan ahead of time. Joseph didn't call ahead and set anything up, you know? So he just goes over to the local hotel and says, hey, uh, you got any room? No. Oh, man. And Mary's like, Joseph, we got to get this show on the road, man. Baby's coming. And uh, Joseph's like, man, this is intense. I, this is God's kid. I'm supposed to do my job, man. Like, what? Can you imagine the pressure on Joseph? Because the Jesus, like, God is coming to earth, and he has got to prepare, like, make this thing. It's supposed to be glorious, you know? And it's not happening as planned. I don't know if you ever had a bad day. Uh, where things just didn't work out that morning, that day. You know, you couldn't find your toothbrush. You couldn't find your brush for your hair. The curling iron didn't work that day. You know, the, you can't find your other shoe. The keys are missing. Joseph can't find a room for God to come to earth in. Like, that's a big, big problem. And all of a sudden, they have to audible. Because what do you do? And it's the most wonderful thing ever, really, if you think about it, because I imagine that in their logic from point A to point B, maybe I'm wrong, but if they knew, if you were having Jesus being born into your family this week, you would probably make it the most glorious thing in the world, right? Like, you've ever watched the show on TV with Bridezilla's? Right? Like, you're going to spend... $40,000 and have rose petals everywhere. And Jesus, like he's, everything's gonna be perfect because Jesus is coming. This is not the way it happened. And what I love about the birth of Jesus is Jesus, God, the King of Kings coming to earth, he didn't do it in a glorious way that would only relate to wealthy people or to people of like the 1% caliber. No, they gave Jesus the birth of someone homeless. And he would say, like, I'm coming for mankind. 
And so what, if you can imagine the pressure that was, I'm probably not even doing a good job explaining the reality of the pressure that Joseph must have thought in his head this is supposed to look like, and it doesn't look at all the way it's happening. And so I call this uh, a change of plans. Uh, the first one I called the interrupting plan, and this one I'm just calling a change of plan. Like, and Mary's pretty much saying, look, Joseph, sweetheart, stop. Joseph, stop. Joseph, stop. I don't care. I'll take anything. Jo- no, the baby's coming. We're not going to do it in the middle of the street. We're going to let, let anything. And Jesus is born in a horse trough. That's crazy. And it's when your plan doesn't work out quite the way you saw and it's kind of whatever option will work at this point, the change of plan. And God's involved in that. And that's not a broken scenario. It doesn't mean that Joseph failed or Mary failed or you failed or I failed or anything went wrong. Really, it's just your plan wasn't the way God chose to unfold your life. And there's a last minute change of plan. And people that see things very linear struggle with these realities. And they kind of go into like, oh man, I'm a bad person. I missed the mark. I've done something wrong. Like, no, this is not it at all. I'm going to tell you a third story here before we wrap it up. And this is magical. I'm going to take you to Matthew chapter two, and I'm going to read three, four verses to you here. And it says that when they, this is after Jesus was born, he's He's now, we, we, we think he's somewhere between like four months old probably and like maybe even two years old. We don't know. We'll just say the birth of Jesus to somewhere between two years old. And when they had gone, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up. He said, take your child and, and his mother and you must escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up and he took the child and his mother during the night and they left for Egypt and where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt, I called my son. When Herod realized what, uh, that he had been outwitted by the Magi, the, the, the three wise men, right? The three wise men went to Herod first on their way to Jesus and then they're like, hey, we're not gonna go back. So uh, they knew that this guy was crazy. And so, uh, so he, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and in its vicinity who were two years old and younger in accordance with the time that he had learned of the Magi. And so this story is absolutely terrible. Most people don't know that this story appears. In fact, I've never heard anyone talk about this story in a church. And it's why I felt like we should talk about it for a minute because in the Lord's coming to earth, there was a genocide on earth where hundreds of little kids died. Maybe more. And I don't know if you've ever been in a scenario where something dark happened and you were a part of it, or you saw it, or you witnessed it, and it really just doesn't make sense. Like, if he's really God, why would this happen at all? And what I've learned is that God has a redeeming plan for mankind. And even in the darkest moments, like 9-11, or 
Sin entered the world through one man, the Bible says, and, and, and so therefore death spread to all men because all men had sinned. There's a lot of dark things that are going to happen on this earth, and some of it is going to be unfair. Sometimes bad things happen to good people, and that doesn't seem fair. Like, why is it that the rain falls on the just and on the unjust? Why wouldn't God just take care of all of the good people? Well, it wouldn't make sense. And people would only serve God because they, were, uh, they, they wanted to be wealthy or rich or perfect. Or No, he's going to allow bad things to happen to everyone. And there's going to be some dark moments in your life where having linear thinking, this doesn't make sense. Like, if God, if you're real, why would this happen? And so when I look at this story, I, I call this story uh, God's redeeming plan. Because in the midst of death, God is giving direct orders to find life. Now, what happens in this scenario, I think it happens to me and to you, is that um, what God oftentimes does, and we don't realize it, is that sometimes he, God is going to be very direct with you. And I don't know why this happens, and I, I want to make sure you understand that the way God treats you may not be the way he treats someone else. So some things that you're allowed to watch, someone else is not allowed to watch. And in God's redeeming plan for their life, he's going to say, you cannot do this. I remember when I first got saved, uh, I, I, was a, I was radical for the world. And when I got saved, uh, my youth pastor was like, dude, you got to get rid of all of this music. you got to get rid of all this stuff. you gotta, you got to throw it all right in the trash. And I didn't understand it because there were church kids that were listening to that stuff. And I listened to them. And I took out everything, man. I mean, I had hundreds of dollars in tapes. You remember those things? Those like cassette things with a little string that would come out of it. I had hundreds of dollars. I had so much stuff. And we had to throw it all away. And I ripped my posters off. And I didn't have many clothes at the time. And all my shirts were about drugs. And so I had to throw those in the trash. And I remember they were buying me like cheesy Christian shirts, you know, like the ones about Reese's peanut butter cups, you know, and Jesus Christ. is the. And it was just like just dumb stuff. But I was so excited about Jesus. And God began to change some things for me, too, in my redemptive plan, where God began to say to Tim, hey, look, not only can you not listen to secular music, I actually don't want you to listen to Christian music because it's not going to be deep enough for where I'm going to take you. And so I had to throw out I had a big tent revival and, uh, and DC talk, man, they, they weren't good enough. I had to write in the trash. D- I'm so really grateful that God saved me from DC talk, by the way. Some of you guys are like, I don't know who those guys are. It was awful, man. It was just terrible, terrible music. This one Christian guy gave me the CD called Joy Electric. I am grateful that God told me to throw that thing away, man. That would have just ruined me forever. Uh, But anyways, in God's redeeming plan, he spoke to Joseph and he said, hey, wake up, get your family, get your kids and move. And you're going to go right now. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but and you're in a relationship. There are some times where things have to happen right now. It's just we we don't we got to change our budget right now. We've got to change the way we're eating right now. We've got to change uh, the way, our lifestyle right now. We can't be drinking anymore right now. We need to start going to church right now. And things look different. And it's kind of weird when you're being pulled because you're in a relationship and someone else is making the decision and you have to follow. But let me explain the way it works with God is sometimes you should see this in your life where God also, he, he has a, a, a interruption. He'll have a, 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 a change of plans. 
And he'll have a redeeming plan where he's going to say, this is what I want you to do right now. Does that make sense? Has anyone ever heard that side of your relationship with God? And why I think it's important is because God doesn't just talk to all of us in one way. And that's why we have a Bible where, God, where he's showing us the way he operates with mankind. All in one time frame. Hurry up and leave. And so I know that there's a lot of people that have questions today about their relationship with God because they thought that it was just going to, they were going to make a decision for Jesus and then they were going to make a whole lot of money somewhere around here. They were just going to become super wealthy and have like a lake house with, a, with boats and lots and lots of money and cattle and chickens running around and everything was going to be wonderful. And we're going to have 45 kids and it was just, and then they were you know, going to have so many grandkids and people were going to call them Papa and, uh, and that was how we were going to pass away. But that, it's not the way it works when you're not the one calling the shots. Just remember, when we decided to give our lives to Jesus, we said that he was going to be Lord, not you. That means, Lord, whatever you want, I'm at your mercy. And I do see God's redemptive plan and his change of plans often in my life and his interrupting plans all happening at work in my life. And these are just three cute little phrases I pulled out of nowhere. So they may not, you may have better plans than me, but... I find it hard sometimes when things don't go the way I thought they were going to go. And I have three things that you can do with this as we close. One, know that um, we, you, me, we're all in a journey with God. And the, the Bible says, and, and so, so what I need you to know is that we are all led by the Spirit. Number one, it's the number of thing you need to know. And I need you to be led by the Spirit. It's one of the values of our church, the Holy Spirit. And why it's important is because we don't lead us. He leads us. He directs us. The Bible says that he'll send his Holy Spirit who will guide you into all truth, who will lead you into all understanding. He, he, he is our leader. And sometimes we have to have more discernment about what's going on around us so we know who we're actually following. So it's not just us driving the ship all the time. Does that make sense to anyone? Let me show you this verse here. It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So if you're a Christian, I want you to understand that part of God's plan in your life is that you would follow His Spirit. I believe that this is 100% imperative for you, that you should know God's voice and you should know His leading. Jesus said, uh, for my sheep know me and they know my voice. I speak that over you. Because you're going to need to know that when you're at Walmart and God nudges you and says, hey, 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 I know you thought you were just going to check out, but that lady right there, you need to say something. Tell her that I love her. Tell her that she's beautiful. Tell her that she has a purpose. Buy her milk. I don't know, but if, if you don't know the nudge, you're not following. And I need you to follow as your pastor. Uh, another thing here, it says, uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it says, For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, not I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God. Uh, who loved me and gave his life for me. I forgot about that part. Uh, and so uh, what, what's important about that is that you understand that when, we, when we've committed our lives to Jesus, now 
uh, God, you, you can do whatever you want in me because I've given my life to you so you live in me. So I need you to, Jesus, take the wheel and give it one more chance. Now, number two, I want you to know this, um, that uh, n- number one, I want you to know that God, uh, that we are led by the Spirit. Number two, I want you to know that he loves us. He loves us, 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 he loves us. Listen to this verse, so powerful. Isaiah chapter 49, 15 and 16. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. Listen to this. This was prophesied in Isaiah years and years ago, years ago, years ago. For though she may forget, yet I have inscribed you. Scott, show that. Give me that verse. Yet I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. Another translation would say, I inscribed you on the palms of my hand. I love this. And this was written 2,000 years before Jesus came. How much do I love you? So much that your name is written right here. I have a redeeming plan for your life. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to be with you. I'm committed. I know you think that you broke it, but you didn't actually. I'm going to make it look right in the end. I love it. 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 God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And the last point, would you come? Uh, Yes, I'm sorry. You have to navigate through the plan that God has for me in my life. Uh, Story of everyone that has to work with me. You got to deal with the plan that God has for me, man. This is just how he works. Uh, The last point I want want you to know is that God has a plan. It's so simple. It's so simple. It's so simple. You can't see it from point A to point B because he's actually taking you in different directions. It's one of the oldest verses in the Bible, man, that people love, love to quote. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. A plan to prosper you, a plan not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And at some point in our life, we have to believe this, that God is going to make something clear out of all of this. You know, why did I go to college and get this degree? I'm not even using it, God. Yeah, but if you wouldn't have gone, you wouldn't have met your best friend. And that best friend is going to carry you through some seasons or you wouldn't have been able to get on your own. But God, why did I have to move to this place? And why did I get that job? And why did I not have those finances? I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, you didn't have, maybe you don't have the finances you thought that God should give you because you need to learn gratitude first. I, I don't know. Maybe he, he can't trust you with more. 